All right. Well, hey, turn in your Bibles, if you would, to the Gospel of John, chapter 7. John, chapter 7, uh, picking it up in verse 40. John, John chapter 7. What, Beverly Carmen likes a Fody? Oh, it was Terry Strand likes a t- tall, cold Fody. Um, John chapter 7, starting in verse 40. And um, this is God's Word. When I heard these words, <clears throat> some of the people said, this really is the prophet. Others said, this is the Christ. But some said, is the Christ to come from Galilee? Has not the scripture said that the Christ comes from the offspring of David and comes from Bethlehem, the village where David was? So there was a division among the people over him. Some of them wanted to arrest him, but no one laid hands on him. And let's pray one more time. Father, may the truth be spoken and received here today in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, uh, this is interesting. I, I'm dying to find out who in this room, raise your hand if you like anchovies. Wow, look at you people. That's a lot of people who like anchovies. I knew you did. Um, but, but the other ones who don't like anchovies really don't like anchovies. They don't like them. How about green olives? Who likes green olives? Probably the same. Oh, like more people. Okay. Um, how about cilantro? Oh, but the, the other ones are like cilantro. Ah, I don't like cilantro. How about raisins? Oh, a lot of people like raisins. Wow. But there's a lot of, lot, there's a lot of anti-raisin sentiment out there too, though. There's a lot of anti-raisin. I'm married to an anti-raisin woman. Um, she does not like the raisin. Well, those are little things in life, simple little things that show you that there's a very sharp division over certain things, and there's not necessarily anything bad about all that. It's just taste preference. You do like a certain thing. You don't like a certain thing. It, it rumbles on your taste buds in a nice way or not. Um, but, you know, you kind of fall to one side or the other on these uh, particular uh, zingy, zesty types of things. Well, let's go with a more serious example uh, that... Uh, kind of makes things go this way or that way. Chris Luke actually talks about it with um, just vividly and expertly in the service. You're going you're gonna to hear it. But um, how about this? How about a multicellular being uh, that's really tiny, that has a distinct DNA that is different than any other person on the planet? Would you call that a life? Even if that little multicellular being with a different DNA than anything else on the planet is currently residing in the life-giving body of somebody else, I'm talking about abortion, if that's too cryptic for you, um, do you call that a life or do you not call that a life? Does science, <laughs> if the scriptures won't convict you, will science convict you? You know, it's convicting, not the millennials, but the, the generation, whatever they're going to name it underneath. They're, they're saying that they're growing up going... That's uh, scientifically a baby. Um, they're becoming more conservative on the, in the, on the issue of abortion, which I find quite interesting. But uh, my point is, on a very serious matter, you either fall this way or this way. There's not, there's not gray area uh, in the issue of abortion. But let's go to the most serious matter of all, which is this. What is going to happen to you beyond this life? I mean, that's a big question, isn't it? Uh, I mean, we don't know what's going to happen to us t- tomorrow. 
and uh, we tend to uh, provide ourselves a bunch of comforts. We get good as we, as we age in life, and we collect things. And I mean, if you're, is your attic full of junk? Ours is. Where did all that stuff come from? I don't know, just an abundance. That's where it came from. We have all this stuff that we've accumulated. And uh, we do that in all kinds of areas of our lives. We build this padding around us. And so we maneuver through this life, but there's this hanging, looming question out there. What happens beyond this life? How can you be sure about it? Um, and you either kind of stave that question off or you, or you mull over it. But what I want to put to you is this. Um, if, you, if you were to explore the Christian gospel honestly, um, it teaches that Christ was sent by the Father to save sinners. That's what we've been talking about uh, for the past weeks. That's what Jesus has been talking about all through chapter 7, um, how it happened, who sent him, um, who's the initiator. That was all in chapter 6. But, I mean, that is the topic, that Jesus was sent to save sinners from their sins. Uh, and so I would suggest to you that if you're going to explore the Christian gospel and you come to that, what you're really doing is answering the question, what's going to happen to you after this life? That's an ultimate question. Um, and I dare say the real question then is, who is Jesus Christ? You could even say it this way, who is Jesus Christ to you? And I want to be careful how I say that. I'm not saying who is Jesus Christ to you so that you can craft a little um, imaginary fairy tale savior the way you want him to be. When I say who is Jesus Christ to you, what I really mean is, are you submitting to the real Jesus? Uh, As shown us uh, in the word of God, have you met the real Jesus? And that brings us to our main idea, which is this, Jesus divides human beings more than anything else. Nothing else divides human beings more than Jesus. And I I bet you have never heard it phrased quite that way, Um, but you're either a Christ follower or you're not. Uh, You either think that um, Jesus is um, uh, who he says he is, or you think he's nuts, Uh, and you think we're all nuts. Uh, You're either a Christ follower or not, and there are dramatic consequences uh, either way uh, you go. All right, so our first point, um, the prophet, what a great guy. All right, basically you got this scene, and it's, a, it's another little, um, little strange little hunk of verses that people don't know, quite know what to do with. In fact, I, I mean, I read some of these commentaries, and I mean, there's, there's like a sentence on these verses uh, that, that people even don't even really know what to, how to preach it, so, and I barely do too. But, I, but at least there are three viewpoints that you see here that are very clear. Um, you, um, you have this first one, the people say, oh, he's a prophet. Others say, oh, he's the Christ. Others say, ah, I think he's a big faker. You got three, you got three viewpoints when exposed to this Jesus, and so we can at least hook our thoughts onto those things. So verse 40, it says, when they heard these words, some of the people said, this really is the prophet. Well, obviously, we need to rewind a little bit and uh, remember what the words are. What words were they, the people talking about? What they're referencing is what Jesus was saying Verses 38 through 39, and it it benefits us to read those again. Listen, on the last day of the Feast of Tabernacles, the Feast of Booths, the great day, Jesus stood up and he proclaimed, he cried out, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Now this he said about the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, whom those believed in him uh, uh, whom those who believed in him were to receive, for as yet the Spirit had not been given because Jesus was not yet glorified. The people hear those words, Jesus' proclamation, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and I'll satisfy him. 
Um, out of his heart will flow um, rivers of living water. Um, do you understand the claim and the drama? The claim uh, that he's been making is he, that, he's been, that he's privy to God. The claim that he's been making is that he's equal to God. Um, the claim that he's been making is that he has come from eternity. And the claim that he is making here is that he can satisfy the deepest need of the human soul. If you'll just come to Jesus and drink, he'll give you living water, not like temporary water. Um, and and that, that culminates in this grand uh, salvific uh, declaration. And it's not like another one that he made in, in chapter 6, if you flip back to it, chapter 6, verse 32. Do you remember this? Jesus says to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. Huh, cryptic, interesting. Uh, Moses gives him bread, but there's a true bread. What's, a true, what's, what's he talking about? Verse 33, for the bread of God is he, he. Well, that's interesting, isn't it? That the bread of God is not actually bread, but it's a he, it's a person. Interesting. The bread of God is this person who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. And they go, huh, well, that's interesting the way you're putting that, Jesus. I mean, the bread, life-giving bread, uh, the true bread, it comes from God. They go, well, you know what then? Uh, Give us this bread. And then Jesus says to them in verse 35, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. Whoever believes in me shall never thirst. So here he is with this great proclamation again, saying that I'm the one who's going to satisfy your deepest need. All right. There's a temporal need, like the one that was provided through by God through Moses, the manna. But he's saying that I'm going to provide the the, the permanent need, the deep need, the spiritual need. And uh, those are some grand and wild claims. And uh, you know, friends, this is a Jim Wilmoth original quote. Um, he's either really, really nuts, or or uh, really, really real. I mean, there, there's just one. There's just one thing can be right. Uh, these are these are amazing claims. Well, let's stop to think how the original hearers and the original readers would have would have come across this material. I mean, um, and and how it matters for us today. We have the reader's edge, right? So we see the gospel unfolding, and we have the entire New Testament, the, the, the biblical canon is closed and so on. Um, but these people are hearing these things, and they go, wow, they're, they're, they're puzzling over them. They, they hear Jesus, and some say, uh, we're told right away that people go, oh, he's the prophet. Others say, no, I think he might be the Christ, the Messiah. And others say, uh, you know, some faker, some faker. Um, well, when we think of first century people... Um, we don't, have it, we don't often come to it the same way that they would, as I said. We have both the Old and New Testament. We have centuries of printed material um, uh, and uh, of, of people who have pondered uh, the Scriptures and written about them uh, for, for centuries. Um, and it was different for them. They're hearing these things. A, a Jew in Jesus' time, the idea of prophet and Messiah in the same person was foreign to them. It's not foreign to us. We go prophet, priest, and king, uh, prophet, Messiah, Jesus is the same figure. Uh, but for them, they're going, this is really strange. They, they, they didn't think back then that the prophet and the Messiah would be the same person. Um, it, notice what, what it says here in verse 40. When they heard these words, some of the people said, this really is the prophet, not a prophet, but the prophet. You know what I mean by the prophet? The prophet 
who would prepare the way for the Lord. Um, they're going, is he the prophet? Um, and uh, check this out. Uh, you don't have to turn, but um, I, I've, I've cited this before, but they're, they're, here's what they're thinking. They're thinking of Moses, um, where it says in Deuteronomy 18, the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me, Moses talking, from among you, from your brothers. It is to him you shall listen. Moses is going, there's going to be another prophet raised up by the Lord who's like me. Um, and uh, he goes on to say, um, uh, the prophet who presumes, oh yeah, hang on a second. Yeah, God's saying now, I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their brothers, and I will put my words in his mouth, and he shall speak to them all that I command him. Does that sound like Jesus talking the whole way through the Gospel of John? It does, doesn't it? Um, and whoever will not listen to my words that he shall speak in my name, I myself will require it of him. Um, and so when, when, the, when the first century hearer hears Jesus say these things, they're going, huh, I wonder if he's this prophet figure um, that Moses was talking about. Um, and uh, by the way, um, some people think, um, thought, uh, many of them thought, and then we're looking forward to, um, this figure that is spoken of at the end of Malachi. All right, so here's the end of the, here's the, end of the Old Testament. Um, it's over. The end of the Old Testament, 400-year absence, 400-year silence. Now, that, this is not the order of the Hebrew Bible, but uh, at the end of our Bible, whatever the case, there's a 400-year gap. Here's what they're thinking. Um, at the end of Malachi, it says, um, remember the law of my servant Moses, the statutes and rules that I commanded him at Horeb for all time. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes. And then there's 400 years silence. So they're going, oh, I wonder if this is the prophet. They're not thinking that the prophet and the Messiah would be the two, um, would be the same person. Um, so there, there's, a, there's a group of hearers, and they hear this dazzling, um, bigwig speaker guy, um, and they go, hmm, I wonder if this is the prophet. They do not receive him as Savior. They do not receive him as Lord. And so they have fallen on one side of the equation. Well, uh, here's an application for your, your life. Tucking Jesus into a supporting role is a way of managing Jesus. Um, people do it all the time. They don't want to insult you, um, but they'll, they'll go, uh, yeah, you know, I believe some of the things that Jesus stood for. And I think, uh, I think he uh, was a good person. I think he was a good example, a teacher, moral, very moral man. I think he was a moral man. What they're doing is they're managing Jesus. They're tucking him away. But you can't tuck him away. He makes these grand saving claims, these exclusive claims, and you can't tuck him away. You can't manage him. Um, he uh, uses exclusive speech about himself. He claims equality with God. He demonstrates divine power of healing, and that's what he does. He goes throughout Galilee and he, uh, Judea, and he, he's teaching and preaching and healing. He is demonstrating divine power. And so a position of unbelief is this. A position of unbelief views Jesus as a puzzle piece, but they don't see him as the great big picture of the entire puzzle. <laughs> That's the difference. Uh, Jesus is the point. Jesus is the Savior. Jesus is the exclusive one sent by God. He's not just a puzzle piece like Mohammed and Confucius and Gandhi and all these other little characters, these other little players. He's not a puzzle piece. He's the picture of the, of the puzzle. Um, 
The gospel is that, that he's the giant picture of the puzzle. All right, let's go to our second point. The Savior, King of Wakanda. Um, still no one's seen the Black Panther, huh? Who's seen the Black Panther? Ah, oh, the Harrington's. All right, so you know what Wakanda is. That's the imaginary, it's not a town in uh, the suburbs of Milwaukee. Uh, where, anybody from Wakanda? Uh, that's kind of, that's kind of crazy. Wakanda, I'm like, Wisconsin? Anyway, uh, King of Wakanda, they kind of have this other, this other view here in verse 41. Others said, this is the Christ. Uh, and that's a short little verse. And by the way, I don't know how many, I don't know how these commentators just pass by that and, and don't say anything about it. Uh, this is the Christ is a pretty big thing. It sounds kind of Peter-esque, doesn't it? That, that, you know, this hasn't been revealed to you by, by, by uh, flesh and blood, Peter, but uh, God showed it to you. Um, the people are, there's, there's some people who are going, huh, um, th- this is the Christ. Now, were there people in this scenario who actually believed? I bet there were. I bet there were. Um, but we are soon shown, six months later, that um, the people are craving an earthly deliverer. I mean, six months later, Jesus will come back to Jerusalem. He'll ride in. They'll shout, Hosanna, 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 um, which means save now, save now. They're waving palm branches. They're putting palm branches down. They're treating him like royalty. He rides into Jerusalem, uh, his triumphal entry. But they're shouting the wrong Hosannas. And um, they're not saying, save me from my unrighteousness uh, and my, my bitter transgression against God. That's not what they're saying. They're saying, uh, Wakanda, <laughs> you know, let's get Wakanda. Uh, let's get the bad guys out of Wakanda, and let's preserve Wakanda. And um, um, they, they have no time for some humiliated and accursed figure who's going to die on a tree uh, to establish a spiritual empire. That's, that's not uh, what they were thinking six months later when Jesus is crucified. And so we look at this and we go, wow, this is the Christ, some people say. Some people say, is this the prophet? Some people say, is this the Messiah? Is this the Savior figure that we've read about? All that the, the Old Testament makes m- m- numerous references to. Is this him? Um, I bet there were some people who really believed it, but I bet you also that there were some people, and quite a few probably, that, um, that uh, were just thinking King of Wakanda. You know, get Roman oppression off of our back. It's, it's a much nicer um, thing um, to think of a superhero figure who, you know, throws Donald Sutherland out, you know, frees the oppressed people. Now I'm in a different movie, but uh, application for your life. Um, it's another way of taming Jesus is to um, think of him as a cultural, social uh, victor, uh, somebody who's beneficial to your lower blood pressure, uh, you know, a technique for dealing with life. Um, oh, yeah, you know, I, I, it's a little aid, uh, an aid to help me through this hard life, Jesus. That's a, that's a way of taming Jesus, viewing him as a savior, um, but, but, in a, but in a temporal sense, uh, not in a personal um, saving sense. You know, one of the things I love that Dr. Young says, which, by the way, you should see him today. He's preaching with his broken paw and everything, and he's, got a, his, he's torn his shirt, which he's going to wear it under his sport coat for the next 15 years, I, I guarantee you. There's a tear in it. But uh, uh, anyway, he got his cast in there and everything, and he's good to go. He's hopped up on Percocet, so he's all set. But, um, <laughs> but one of the things I like that he says when he talks to the crowd uh, after the service, he'll say, you know, 
if you don't know yet, know this Jesus. Sometimes he doesn't always say this, but he said, if you don't know yet, know this Jesus, and you're looking, you know, keep on coming. You ever heard him say that? Keep coming back. Just keep on coming. Keep coming back. And I suggest that to you too. Um, if you're pondering over the Savior, uh, I encourage you to keep on coming back. Keep on coming back. Can I read you something that's really well written and a little bit frightening? Uh, this is by the late James, James Montgomery Boyce, and he says this. Uh, you may have heard the Christian gospel over a long period of time. Listen. And you understand what it is we are talking about. You do not deny the truthfulness of scriptures. You affirm it. You no doubt, you do no doubt that Jesus, you, you do not doubt that Jesus Christ is the unique son of God. You believe it. You do not question the factualness of the crucifixion, nor the meaning of Christ's death for your life. You understand this. You know that he died for you. In fact, if you were to go elsewhere and hear a different gospel, you would know at once that it is different and would say, but that is not what I've been hearing in my church. Uh, All this is true, and yet you may have never accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. You have never determined to follow him. How tragic to have an orthodox head wedded to a rebellious heart. Why not make today the day in which you go the whole way and receive Jesus Christ as your Savior? Is that not profoundly put? You know the answers. You can recite it all. Uh, you're not, you, you affirm it. You believe Jesus was an historical figure. You believe the crucifixion happened. You affirm these things, but you haven't believed. You know, I remember seeing Joel Osteen on Larry King. And Joel Osteen is, you know, blinking his way into your, into your heart. And um, he's talking about uh, the gospel. And he says something like, I don't really like to say the word sin. I don't, I don't like to talk about the doctrine of sin. I, I just I, I don't like to talk about sin. And Larry King, who's not a Christian, is going, now, wait a second. You know, he's going, didn't Jesus come to die on the cross for to save people from their sins? And I mean, Larry King is articulating the gospel that Joel Osteen won't do. I'm like, caramba. Who's the believer? I don't know. Is there a, I don't even know if there's a believer in this, on, that, in, on, was on that show. But my point is, Larry King is able to articulate the gospel because he's interviewed zillions of Christians, including John MacArthur and uh, and all kinds of people. But he's able to articulate the gospel. But there's a difference between that and receiving the Lord of glory and realizing that you lay your life down at the foot of the cross and you say, Jesus, save me. Save me. I can't do anything of my own accord. I can't bring anything to the cross except my guilt and my filth and my shame. That's all I bring. Naked. Dress me. That's the gospel. All right. Um, Keep on coming. Keep on coming. Keep on exploring. But receive the Lord of glory. Don't leave today. Don't go to bed today without, without laying on your pillow and saying, Lord, am I one of yours? Lord, um, save my soul. Um, say to my soul that I am a redeemed man and woman, that uh, my sins are covered. All right. Our last point, uh, the Nothing Burger. Um, he came from Millington. All right, so the Nothing Burger was, uh, who's heard that expression, the Nothing Burger? I mean, that has popped into pop culture about three weeks ago for about 10 days, just boom. I mean, it just was everywhere. And every news thing you look at, Nothing Burger was in there. You could tell like a memo went out or something. Uh, I think they just go, here, start using these phrases. Um, you, does, does that happen over there? It's like, boop, 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 boop. nothing burger. All right, nothing burger. The weather's a nothing burger. Um, 
Anyway, everybody's using Nothing Burgers. This is the first time I've used it and the last time I'll ever use it. Um, and I'll explain he came from Millington in a second. There's a third, there's a third, character, there's a third category of here, uh, here uh, told us by John. Others say, um, uh, is this the Christ? Is the Christ to come from Galilee? That what they're saying is, isn't the Christ supposed to come from Galilee? Uh, no, no, excuse me. Is the Christ to come from Galilee? He's, he's, he's from Galilee. They're saying, yeah, he's from Galilee. Isn't he supposed to come from um, Bethlehem? Uh, the scriptures say that the Christ comes from uh, offspring of David, comes from Bethlehem, the village where David was. And so the people are going, well, he obviously didn't come from uh, Bethlehem. He's from Galilee. Uh, what's, what, what's real? Where, did Jesus, where was Jesus born? Bethlehem. They didn't know it. <laughs> blah, 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 blah. Oh, I thought Jesus was going to be in the kingly line of David. He was. Oh, I thought the scriptures say that Jesus was going to be born in Bethlehem, Ephrathah, this little place that's unlikely. Yeah, he was. But blah, blah, blah. You know, it reminds me of so much of, uh, uh, you know, complaints that come into church life. Somebody will go, there'll, I've told you this before, but somebody, there'll be some kind of horrible tragedy, and people go, three weeks after Katrina, people will go, I can't believe we never sent any money to Katrina. What kind of church is this? This church stinks. It's like, uh, we did send money to Katrina. Oh. It happens every single time there's some kind of thing. Somebody starts belly aching about what we didn't do and blah, blah, blah. Why don't we ever do anything for our community? I want to go, are you insane? Do you not, where, what, what church do you go to? Are you not paying attention to how much money we give away? We give up $900,000 a year away. I mean, Innovation Church, I shouldn't even say this over the minute. Let me turn this off. But ladies and gentlemen, is that, is that worthwhile? Of course it is. We joy to do that. But, but what I'm saying is people, people go, well, we never do anything, blah, blah, blah. What about MITs? I just want to make a difference. That's the other thing, too, is this, the, this, and young people do it all the time. They lob a grenade. They go, we never help them. It's like, well, why don't you do it? Why don't you come up with a plan, go meet with the missions committee, and they will give you money to go carry out your mission plan. Plenty of opportunity for you to do things. There's 30-some MITs going on here of people just like that who aren't just lobbing a grenade and saying, blah, 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 but they're actually engaged. All to say, this third group of people are, are bellyaching about Jesus, going, I thought he was from the kingly line of David. He was. I thought he was from Bethlehem. He was. But what are they doing? They're taming the reality like these other two groups. They tame the reality of Jesus so they don't have to be accountable to him. Um, so, in other words, they're saying this joker is nothing special. It's kind of like this. You know, people are like, so here's Millington. People are like, oh, Justin Timberlake. He's so cool. Isn't he cool? Justin, JT's cool, man. I, I like JT, and I think he's a great representative of Memphis. I love how he's still Memphis, Memphis, Memphis. He's not ashamed of Memphis. He's proud of Memphis. He's proud of the 901. And at the same time, he's from Millington. <laughs> I mean, I mean, no offense, <laughs> but he is from Millington. <laughs> and, uh, you know, so people all over the country are like, oh, yeah, he's from Memphis. So of course, you say, I'm, I'm, from, uh, I'm from Prospect Heights, but I say I'm from Chicago because it's a 27-minute drive to downtown. And so he's like, hey, I'm from Memphis. 
And people hear Millington and they think, oh, some wonderful subdivision of Memphis, and, but it, it's Millington, you know? I'm not saying anything good or bad. I'm just saying there's, there's a lot packed into the word Millington. And that's what these people are saying. That's what these people are saying. They're like, yeah, but you know, <clears throat> Galilee. I mean, seriously, something good going to come out of Galilee, a dumpy old Galilee. It was the carpenter's son and all that. Uh, and of course, the irony is that he was born in Bethlehem uh, and so on. In fact, uh, you don't have to turn, but in Romans, well, let me just get to it real quick. Um, yeah, listen to this. This is just the beginning of Paul's letter to the Romans. Listen, listen how important all this stuff is to Paul. He says, Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, calling me an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God, which he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scripture concerning his son, who is descended from David. Very important to the apostle Paul. According to the flesh and was declared to be the son of God in power, according to the spirit of holiness, by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord, through whom we have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith for the sake of his name among all the nations, including you who are called to belong to Jesus. Um, it's, just, it's just awesome that, uh, that, that uh, Jesus' kingly lineage is, is right on the forefront of the apostle Paul's mind as he launches into Romans. I mean... What a, what a necessity. Now, application for you and me. Um, you hear it all the time. People go, don't bog me down with a bunch of stupid tales. Uh, I just want Jesus. I don't want your theology and your ideas and your theories and your whatnot. I just want a relationship with Jesus. Well, you know, um, what kind of relationship would I have with my wife if I knew very little about her personally and actually? I mean, if I never, I've never explored, you know, Dr. Young used to say when we were dating that when you're dating, when you're courting, when you're courting another, uh, you're uh, uncovering value. Is anybody in a singles ministry? If you do, you'd remember that. And when you, if you're courting, you're uncovering value. And so Denny's taking out Brenda, he's uncovering value. He's learning things about her specifically. They're talking. You know, when you're dating, you're talking all night. We had a two hour conversation. We just talked and talked and talked and talked. And that's what happens. You, you're uncovering value. You're finding out about each other. Well, well folks, um, people go, don't bog me down with a bunch of details here. Just teach me, just I don't want one is Jesus. Well, there's, there are things about Jesus. There's things about this God. And uh, what I'm saying to you is, is part of not being accountable is trying to tame Jesus and throw off the shackles in, in our minds of uh, baggage uh, all this stuff. Well, let me tell you, you want to find out what God is like? Here's where you find out what he's like. Does the Holy Spirit of God work in your heart and life? Absolutely. Does the Holy Spirit of God teach your spirit things? Absolutely. But everything the Holy Spirit of God teaches your heart is an application of this revealed word, all of it. Um, so I, um, I warn the Christian, uh, don't roll me down with theology, uh, just give me Jesus. That's a loaded gun of ignorance. And I also say to um, the, the, the casual hearers that walk by this Jesus and they go, well, is he a prophet, you know, like uh, Muhammad and just kind of another small puzzle piece. Uh, is he the Christ for reals? Uh, or is he just some guy that we're just going to kind of shuffle away and, and uh, think that he's a faker? And I don't want to think about it too much because I get all wrapped up in stuff. Um, all right, I close this way. Uh, Tammy and I went to Colorado. In fact, we've, we've been there three times because I taught on a senior high trip. And um, 
it's neat being in Colorado and driving around the mountains, and it's, 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 they, it's, they got pretty, really pretty stuff out there, really pretty. And the Continental Divide, you know about the Continental Divide? Uh, I'd heard about that my whole life, the Continental Divide, had no idea what it was. Anybody, who, who doesn't know what the Continental Divide is? You don't know what it is? Oh, you do? Okay, wow. Well, does everybody know but me? Oh, okay, well, you know, I was like, I'm reading the thing going, oh, wow. I did? Oh, really? Okay, well, check it out. <laughs> the Continental Divide uh, is the place where if, you're, if you're, you're here, if you're here, the water goes into the Atlantic Ocean. I did tell this once before. Man, it's wild. Like, but if you're here, the water goes this way, and if you're here, the water goes that way. Ocean, ocean. I did? Oh, wow. Well, I don't think I said equator, though. Uh, <laughs> but... Uh, but the point is, though, you know, you're driving on the road. This happens on roads all the time, too. You're like, I think my car's pulling a little bit to the left. It's not. The road's shaped like this, and the water goes this way, or the water goes that way. And what I'm saying to you is Jesus is like that. He's the great, he's the, he's the universal divide. Uh, there, there's no gray. You go one way or the other. Uh, he's the great divider of people. And so I, uh, I challenge you to examine your heart in relation to this God Uh, today, and I uh, beseech you to receive the Lord of glory as Savior, because you need one. Let's pray. Lord, we are humble before you, and we're humble before your word. Um, Even in in, uh, passages that um, at at first might seem tough to manage, they're still, uh, it's still your truth, and, and it's just, it's just, spilling over with good things, and we thank you for those good things. Lord, I pray that whatever's true uh, that was said here today would stick to souls. I pray that it would just penetrate hearts, and I pray that it would convict and encourage and invigorate, and I pray that anything that is false would fall away quickly and be forgotten. Um, We commend all this to your care, Lord, remembering that you're the good, saving God who sent a Savior when we didn't deserve it, and we pray it only in his name. Amen. Thanks, y'all. Uh, we're not needed. Okay.